Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a fabulous, fabulous, highly intellectual new guest for the show, and he is working on his own show right now, creating that, recording episodes. It is going to be absolutely fantastic, and I cannot wait until that is up and ready. So welcome, Jen the Ninja. How are you, my dear? I'm very well. Thank you, Janet, so much for having me. Um, it's That's a, a really nice introduction. I'm going to try and be hopefully worthy of that. And, you uh, definitely are. You're one of the smartest people I've met. So <laughs> I don't know. You've had some, you've had some, uh, you know, very intellectual guests. It's not, I'm not, I'm in, you know, there's a lot of company in that. So, but I definitely appreciate it. Um, yeah, I've been working on some episodes before I get my RS, RSS feed up and running. So that's what I've been, yeah, that's where I've been working on. So let me ask you a question. Um, what, for the listeners, is your show going to be called? And what made you decide to start it? Okay, so my show is going to be called Threshold Saints. And it's going to be a long form, um, different topics about Asian esoterica, Asian sorcery, and um, like deep history of things that, of Central and East Asia that and Southeast Asia that don't normally get covered in the freedom, truth, um, occult, conspiracy, all of that, that umbrella. So mm -hmm. the, the things that don't really get talked about, I want to kind of, you know, kind of um, see if I can deconstruct and articulate in a way that's understandable for a more Western audience. So what made you... Uh decide to develop an interest in that do you have a like a background or history that ties you to that so my dad's from southeast asia ethnic chinese um i have a, a chinese language background and uh i have a university background at least undergraduate degree in east asian history so i would say that and then also generally and i I mean, I've been a guest host on Subconscious Realms probably a, the 10 times. And generally, Shout out really generally. 100%. Such a, you know, he's my dude. So he really pushed me to say, he said, you need to have your own like vehicle and really talk about like the things that you want to talk about mm -hmm. in a way that's because I didn't want to do like how we were talking pre-recording. I didn't want to do a show that everybody had done. Right. I'm not really a a deep you know there's a lot of great shows that do deep um conspiracy history deep occult mm -hmm. history of america i right. just didn't want to cover those topics because it's not like where i feel strong mm -hmm. and i feel and i feel a lot stronger in like articulating more long-form narrative histories well and i think that's that's a wonderful thing because um everybody has their their niche or their thing that they're very very good at or super interested in doing um and i i think that's wonderful the more podcasters that we can get out in the airwaves the better um and the more topics can vary the more people can learn so i think that's a fantastic thing and i'm so so very glad that you 
decided that you were going to join the podcast community. So welcome aboard. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, you know, it's been an amazing journey. I, I will say that for me. I know it sounds probably a little facile, but really it's opened up my whole world and like a lot of the limitations that I'd placed on myself thinking mm -hmm. that I could never do that, that right. it would like be so beyond the realm of possibility for me mm -hmm. to be able to do it now is very cool. Yeah. And I, I and love that. I love that, that you found that inner strength to find your voice um, and to be able to, you know, make that leap because a lot of people I'm sure probably think about doing a podcast and then they kind of put it on the back burner and it never happened. So kudos to you for taking that step to, to, you know, follow your passion and get the word out on what your interests are, because I think that's fantastic. So tell me this. Um, so the listeners can get to know you a little bit. Um, like what kind of, what kind of upbringing did you have? Like what kind of, a background do you come from? So I kind of come from like a funk. Um, I would say it was an interesting, I had an interesting childhood. I grew up very, you know, Toronto, I grew up in Toronto. It's mm -hmm. very, very, very multicultural. It just, mm -hmm. it, it just is what that's just, it's a melting pot. It, is. Mm -hmm. it really is. Right. And it's, you know, it, and it's a big city. It's not like a New York size, but it's, it's big. So that's, everybody's from somewhere else. Everybody at least have one immigrant parent. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's just, that's the vibe is that you kind of are in this place that's very multicultural, multiracial. Everybody's from somewhere else. There's like all these neighborhoods. It's mm -hmm. a very cool, especially in that time. Now, Toronto has very much changed in the last five or six years, especially post-COVID. <laughs> but when I was young, it was a very fun place to grow up. It mm -hmm. was a very cool place. I mean, you could, I remember being a little kid and my dad would crave the weirdest, like not weird, but just very specific kinds of like Vietnamese food, or he would want this kind of fishball soup which is like a Chinese, uh, it's a specialty, mm -hmm. regional specialty. And he would like wake us up and we would go at 3 a.m. to this like strip mall in Scarborough and eat like noodle soup. And it just is like, that doesn't really, you know, if you've never, I guess it's just like this vibrant, it was like a vibrant, fun place for, 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 for me as a kid. I think that my like life experiences were generally very, positive in the sense of everything I don't know it felt very like home it felt very whole like it I don't want to say it wasn't like, like a, wholesome. like a, I like, was just gonna say like a like a wholesome community like a like a leave it to beaver community only multicultural yeah exactly like and you know it's so funny because if you go to Toronto and like you'll go to like a hockey game because, you know, Canadians love hockey. Oh, yeah. Regardless. <laughs> and, you know, and like my dad plays hockey and like all the other guys play, all the other dads played hockey. And it'd be like this West Indian guy playing hockey, this Chinese guy playing hockey. That's just how it is. That's just the vibe of Toronto. It's just very like that. And it's just so we all have this kind of common language, even though, you know, it's just, it's, it just, there's a lot of flavor. 
we'll say that. This is like a very mm -hmm. flavorful city. And I think that, I mean, I didn't grow up very conservative personally. Like my family's not very conservative, but you know, I think that we, my, my mom is pretty traditional and very Catholic. And I think that in some ways that really influenced the direction of like my life. Mm -hmm. And I think that, but I, I want to say it was never a burden for me, like that the whole Catholic faith, Catholic school, that was never a burden for me. I never felt, oh, damaged or wounded by the church. I just want to say that. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm not a part of it, I didn't, it wasn't like I left in some, it wasn't like a, you know, sometimes people leave the church or leave Christianity and they have like very deep resentment towards it. I don't feel right. that. Right. So I just want to say that at the get. Yeah. <laughs> and I think see, it's important. I think um, because I grew up in, in Catholic church, Catholic school, the whole nine yards, there was never any like incident that made me leave. It just kind of happened. And, and now my viewpoints on, on the Catholic church are very different. So. No, a hundred percent. But I will say this is that, the one thing people, I think people don't really understand is that, and you'll know this, is that, you know, well, I don't know, well, when we were kids, we were very made very explicitly clear that you cannot belong to a secret society mm -hmm. when we were kids. Like, it was, like, very much, like, you will be excommunicated if you join, like, masonry or, like, obviously, we have Knights of Columbus and, like, all the other right. weird... <laughs> things that I know about now mm -hmm, but as a right. little kid that you know they were it was very explicit so there's and especially Canada because Canada at that time especially was like 60% Catholic so you had a very kind of strong social cohesion through the church mm -hmm. and um, you know all of our parents especially if your parents are from here or they're French Canadian like I have one French Canadian grandparent so that was always very you know, everything is mediated through the church. That was very, you always right. respected it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, you know, so we, I felt like it was what I didn't know about it was okay at that time because I mm -hmm. probably was ready to, you know, <laughs> probably couldn't absorb all that information as young children. No, not then. <laughs> Had to get into my adulthood before I could uh, face the facts on, on what lay underneath the surface there. You know, I think that also in Canada, they also have, there's a lot of syncretism that has happened in terms of the Catholic Church has definitely been more ecumenical towards Indigenous kind of like practices. And there are Indigenous mass here mm -hmm. that people can attend. And so they will have like sacramental sage or sacramental sweetgrass and and like they'll do the liturgy in like Ojibwe or Cree. So mm -hmm. I think that there's like a spirit of like, I don't want to say reconciliation because that's very like what the, you know, government always says. But right. I think that there is like this idea that we can unify kind of past trauma through the church. Right. So you grow up and you kind of see the church for the bad things it's done through residential schools or whatever. And then you mm -hmm. also see the church as like a, trying the best it can even though some of its things are very you know it's very flawed it's an institution mm -hmm. made by man it's right. very flawed it has a long history it's very mm -hmm. bloody so right. yeah 
So on the topic of religion, do you see a big difference between like going to a church per se, a building versus having that belief in, in God or, you know, whatever, uh, spiritual name that you want to call, you know, creator, whatever source, do you think there's a big difference between the building religion and actual faith? So yes and no. So okay. yes, there is a difference clearly because I think the kingdom or God or the creator or source or like in Buddhism, well, the kind of Buddhism that I am, we call it like the Adi Buddha, who is like the, it's the blue, he's like a little blue guy and he's got a white consort and they're in coitus and they're sitting on top of the tree in on a throne of a lotus throne and it there we say it's perfect um, unity so it's mm -hmm. complete unification of like compassion wisdom right. and method right so that exists inside of you correct at all times we just don't always know how to access access it mm -hmm. and I do think religion can be very useful. I think it can be, there's a saying I like that says the religion is the bark that protects the tree. Mm -hmm. I think it can be a useful guide for people. I think it, I don't think the church is everything. I don't think any institution can give you kind of direction if you're not willing to hear it, practice it and right. kind of be flow, like be in the flow state with that. Right. To, to actually vibe. live it. Mm -hmm. yes exactly exactly right to live it and also to be in tune with it mm -hmm. you know because god is about it's about doing the practices of like praying doing mm -hmm. like like if you're i'm just saying from a christian perspective it obviously doesn't have to be christian but people can you know if you have a practice text you should be doing a hermeneutic process where mm -hmm. you're reading the text you're contemplating on it if you have spiritual exercises you're doing, you should be doing that also. If you have someone who can help you navigate some of the more difficult mm -hmm. things, because when we do spiritual exercises, obviously different problems, different like fears, different every anything, different things arise for us in whether in our own life or inside. So mm -hmm. I think that that that's a really helpful tool, and I think that's very I and maybe I should just speak for myself, but. I found that in my like early, like say post 12, like when I turned into a teenager, I found it very difficult to kind of like align myself with like soteriological goals that I clearly understood mm -hmm. with like my own practices. Right. And, and Partly I get because that. nobody explained. Right. And I get that because, um, it's kind of like anything else. If somebody doesn't guide you or show you or, you know, teach you about things, it's hard to know where to go with it and what you're supposed to do. It's kind of like people, um, like everybody knows since I've been in the medical field, like if you tell somebody they have to go on this specific diet for whatever condition that they have, and then they don't know where to start. So unless you guide them, they have no idea where to go. And I think 
uh, spirituality, you know, of any kind is the same kind of thing. You have to be, I don't want to say fed, but you kind of do. You kind of have to be led and, and shown um, by somebody or something like how to apply and how to use not only the text that you're reading, but to to import those into your life as practice, if that makes yes. sense. Uh, no, it totally, that is completely, that's a great articulation of it. I think I totally agree. I think that, you know, it's very difficult. We live in a very information age world. Everybody knows our phones are so addicting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I used to be like, I've had a very disrupted summer because for many reasons I had to leave the house to, so the bathrooms could be worked on and all of that. Mm -hmm. But so it's, you know, I'm like a person that needs like my, I have a, a, a particular room that I like have my altar set up in and all my stuff. And so for me to not have that, it's like a big challenge then to go sit down in like a strange place mm -hmm. and be like, okay, I have to do this practice. I have to do this. Mm -hmm. But then you also realize that that can be a, a positive challenge right? in a way because you kind of push through all, even if you don't have my altar, I just have my rosary. So mm -hmm. if I just have that. Maybe that's a sign that I have to like, you know, not grasp at like my things, mm -hmm. not grasp at the altar. And maybe that's not mm -hmm. the focus of my faith. Right. Maybe that's, I have to be more internal. So mm -hmm. I took it as a challenge in that way. Right. So I totally agree with you that, but it is very helpful. Like I know when I went through difficulties, I would go for kind of like advice, instruction. And that is part of um, Buddhism. It is that mm -hmm. you get pointing out instruction, but you know, the city can be very transient. So you can go to a Dharma center. Like I went to the same Dharma center for six years and it wasn't like a familiar place to me. It wasn't like I was well-known or anything. I mean, I was well-known in the sense that like I was studying at university at the same time. And like we were, it was all like interrelated uh, um, disciplines. Mm -hmm. So you kind of are known, but if you don't speak to anyone, if you're not really engaged with the politics, mm -hmm. you're a secondary character, right? Well, so, and that's that's the same thing as people going to uh, churches and stuff. You could literally go to the same church for 15 years, but if you don't like uh, join groups or you know small study sessions or or whatever it's like you're just a seat filler people don't know you you don't know them and there's not that connection that a lot of 100%. people i think search for no that's exactly it that's what i mm -hmm. was struggling to say it's, mm -hmm. it's you know you you have to navigate also the community of faith or whatever right. the faith-based community that you're part of you have mm -hmm. to navigate like whatever politics there are. You have to navigate all of the, all the, everything. And then you're mm -hmm. also doing these very difficult spiritual practices at the same time, plus working, plus mm -hmm. going to school, plus living your life. You know, you're, you're really <laughs> just trying to be. With, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're trying to balance all the worldly things with the spiritual things and it can be very difficult, mm -hmm. but I have found a lot of solace in my personal faith, like 
just personally in my personal practice, like I feel like it really helps me. I feel like it orients me to the world. If I don't do same first thing in the morning, exactly. Mm -hmm. If I don't do it first thing, I'm a little disoriented for the day. Mm -hmm. That's just me personally, but that's how I feel. I'm the same way. <clears throat> I have a routine like every single morning and it has to be, <laughs> it sounds kind of like OCD of me, but I have to do the exact same things every morning. And if, if something happens and that gets thrown off, it kind of messes me up. But not only do I do it in the morning, but I will literally do it throughout the day, every day and at night because I need that. It, it's like my, um, like my grounding mechanism, I guess. hundred. No, I totally understand that. Especially like, I don't, I know you definitely have a closer connection with your higher source. Like for me, I kind of try and tune it out because I find it a little overwhelming and mm -hmm. just being honest, that's just me. Mm -hmm. I respect everybody's like ability I think, to. I think a lot of people would stuff. agree with you. Yeah. Just, you know, it's it can be hard, especially if you, like, I've always had spiritual experiences, we'll say, since I was young. Mm -hmm. So I just, if, to be like a more grown up person now, it's, I find it a little difficult to have it full blast. <laughs> so I just, you know, I just. They're a turn down like knob. <laughs> exactly. So I just, I wouldn't consider myself like a psychic in any capacity, mm -hmm. but perhaps I can understand things in a specific way spiritual way sometimes mm -hmm. sometimes i'm able to see past things but in terms i'm not psychic so i'll just say that but i totally agree that there will be certain signs that come up in the day just in a normal everyday you mm -hmm. know everyday situation where i will definitely need to feel the need to say a little mantra or say a little prayer or just you know have a routine around certain symbols and definitely I do have like a ritual sort of like procedure that I do in the morning, but that's, mm -hmm. it's the same as everyone pretty much. So it's not woo or weird or anything. It's just like, I have a <laughs> order that I follow. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine may be woo and weird. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's not, I'm but sure it's, it's normal not. to me. So there you go. So I want, I, I have two questions to ask you um so first of all let us talk about the spiritual experiences um a little bit in depth because i want to know what has your um what have your encounters been like and what were they okay well i've had many many dozens and then that's not me being like oh i'm just like a spiritual magnet for things but maybe perhaps i also am kind of mm -hmm. like maybe you are and you're kind of don't want to be i've never rejected it but i also okay so just in full disclosure i was like a one of those weird kids and i went through this phase when i was about like eight or nine and i was really into reading the saint hagiographies like really intensely and I really was praying all the time for stigmata. And now looking back, I, that's very cringe and like very like, I want to be special. And I understand that. Mm -hmm. But I also think that I was trying to like have like a pattern recognition of spiritual experience and 
what the saints tell can tell you is that even though some of the experiences are very horrifying some of it actually makes a lot of sense like when you're looking at like hildegard of bingen or like uh saint Teresa of lizo or any of the you know or padre pio any of the very devout saints something in it makes sense like something in their experiences so for me i would had was i definitely so when i was very young i used to have very bad night terrors like very severe like mm -hmm. walk around the house Mm -hmm. and I would see things in the dreams and I actually remember them quite well now not all of them but specific ones and but people like people who are older than me told me like you cannot ever speak about this this is not like um this is like not good so I kind of suppressed it but then I also learned to turn it off Mm -hmm. this took years this didn't it wasn't just like an mm -hmm. overnight thing. right I just right. learned certain ways like I would listen to binaural music at night that really helped mm -hmm. it seemed to really calm it down at least for a while right I do sometimes smoke weed to go to sleep I know that's mm -hmm. not necessarily the optimum but there's worse things in the world mm -hmm. and you know we all need the things that we need so right. I don't do anything else I don't drink I don't smoke you know, I eat a very clean diet. Mm -hmm. Just I need that some, sometimes, not every night, but sometimes that I need that little extra. So, you know, you know the, sorry, Jenna, go ahead. I was just going to say that, you know, the really interesting thing is that a lot of people that you um, will encounter that have had uh, spiritual encounters or demonic encounters or whatever whatever you want to call them uh supernatural things i guess per se um almost every single person that i have talked to that has had them has also had night terrors that's actually quite interesting i didn't know that uh-huh so it's especially um like you'll run into a lot of people that swear they've had like <clears throat> I know it sounds crazy after last week's show but like alien encounters um and they have always had night terrors um some of them some of the people still do have night terrors uh but every single person that I have ever encountered <clears throat> that has some kind of supernatural thing or spiritual experience has always had night terrors which i find interesting and i wish there was some kind of like study we could do on that because that, that would be would fascinating be, yes that would be you know i think also you know it wasn't necessarily like i put it in some it wasn't like black and white where i was like this is like 100 percent evil there were things that happened in the dreams that were very frightening mm -hmm. but at the same time it was it's always now I see things a little differently where it's not like good and evil and it's more, there's more nuance if you want to use that word. Mm -hmm. But I think that the things I experienced as like a younger, like as a child definitely was like, okay, so this is what it is. So I have to see what is what I'm seeing. I have to understand. I have to like experience, mm -hmm. try and like experience, but in a controlled way. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe you're on, you're totally like right with that. Like it, 
it definitely directed me to be more experimental. Mm-hmm. The more, like the older I became and the more I would say in control of myself. Cause when mm-hmm. you're a kid, you're kind of like, this is really weird. You don't have any context to put it in. You know, people don't want to talk about it. Right. So, but you know, my, both of my parents are very, very superstitious, like high level superstitious. Mm-hmm. And they both were like my dad, especially, which is true of a lot of um, people from Southeast Asia. They're very into going to the astrologer or to a sh- uh, what they call Bomo, like a shaman mm-hmm. or a medium. Like that's very common. Mm-hmm. So I think that also mediated some of like my understanding of what, not that we, not that he ever would talk about that, but just that you knew it existed and he would hang up charms and different things. And you just, I always had like this idea that magic's real, supernatural is real, ghosts are very real. Mm-hmm. You don't want to live with them. You mm-hmm. don't really want to interact with the spiritual, but you like acknowledge it and you're kind of respectful of it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was my attitude, but then also I was so curious at the same time because it's like I am actually experiencing these things I am seeing things I don't understand I am kind of like going somewhere else Mm -hmm. or at least if I'm not going somewhere else maybe I'm seeing things that aren't always there right but they're kind of there some in like a you know like in another kind of plane Mm -hmm. that I'm kind of like in tune with it for a few minutes at night right no, I completely understand that. And, you know, these these things, I hate to use the word manifest because uh, that gives me the willies, but they they appear to different people in different, um, different forms, I guess you want to say, because, um, you know, I've, I've been, I was asked to watch a live show that somebody was doing one time and you could actually see like smoke in the room that like formed a person and, and crazy whatever. And so, you know, it's, it's been in that it's been like uh sensory stuff where smell or touch or, you know, whatever. Some people see an actual, a body or a form, I guess you could say. And so they don't always appear to us in the same way. <laughs> I actually have a story mm-hmm. about incense. Mm-hmm. Oh. But there is a superstition that you are not supposed to burn stick incense mm-hmm. in any context that isn't religious. This is like a Chinese Buddhist idea. Right. That you should not light stick incense and just place it wherever. It's always like you always offer it to like the ancestors or to the Buddhas or to um, if you if you move into a new apartment, maybe you'll or a house, you'll offer incense to the ghosts of that house and ask them to just like stay out of your way. Mm-hmm. That's something sometimes people do. My family didn't do that, but sometimes people do do that. Mm-hmm. But um, I did. It's, it's so- like it's like different cultures or different nationalities here that use like sage around the entry door or something like that. Yeah. So I was really into this natural kind of incense. It was like a cedar, just a a cedar based incense. 
Mm-hmm. And I would always burn it to go to sleep because I told you, like, as I said, I have many nighttime rituals. Sometimes those little things can help you kind mm-hmm. of get there, there for right. me to just relax and like, let it go enough right. to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So I was doing that and I moved into a new apartment and I had put it like beside my bed because I had not unpacked yet. And when I was dreaming, the incense smoke formed like a black figure. Mm-hmm. so yeah that wasn't yeah so that happened so mm-hmm. I understand that experience but I was I was sleeping but I did wake up for a brief moment and it was there mm-hmm. so you know you have to deal with those things as they arise I guess mm-hmm. yeah and you know the I think the, the thing that like freaks me out or freaked me out the most um, when is it is when it comes in an auditory fashion and it is literally like on that same show with the, the smoke and all of that stuff. Um, it, like I'm hearing names of people, like full names of people. They were talking, uh, they were doing, uh, some kind of, uh, um, what are the meters that, energy reading meters okay, for like okay, those yes, kind of stuff. I can't, I can't remember what it's called. Um, the EMF meters or something anyway, but um, there were like n- names of people that had died like in horrific accidents or whatever. And it's like, everybody was screaming, like all these s- spirits were screaming at once to like want to come through. And I'm like, okay, ah, mm-hmm. uh, time to turn this off. And take a break, <laughs> go outside and ground myself because that it was overwhelming. It was like everybody was yelling, like almost like kids in a classroom, like screaming over each other. Yeah. That is very fascinating. So I'll mm-hmm. give two points to that. Is that one, I was actually thinking about this today, is that I think women are just naturally very in tune, not all women, obviously, but Mm -hmm. I think women are more natural mediums. Mm -hmm. And I think men are more attracted to like magic, like magic with Mm -hmm. a K, like more touch-based practice. And you know what? You are absolutely correct because women are born to be nurturers. And so we are and not with just with people, but with animals, with spirits, with, you know, whatever. So we are more in tune with that. And men are very much more analytically minded. Yes. And I think also, I mean, there definitely have had magical experiences, not magical full on experiences, but I'm mm-hmm. saying that I've definitely, you know, when you, I told you before, even we started recording, like I've listened to many episodes of yours, but sometimes when you're talking about things, I do understand you're talking about metaphysical things. I definitely understand in my own kind of Mm -hmm. way. I -hmm. know what you're talking about, what you have experienced, like I can understand. Mm -hmm. And I've had that also with other people in our big, our greater sphere. Mm -hmm. I've listened to them and kind of been like wow that is so similar and then I will kind of like have these analogies that I will make to understand what they're saying but I will like reinterpret it in my own way and then also 
I kind of feel like when, okay, so when you said sometimes you feel like you get downloads, mm -hmm. I sometimes, I've never even talked about this with anyone. So this is totally just a, a totally original content. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> yay, it's on my show. <laughs> so I do feel like I sometimes get little inklings of that. Although mm -hmm. I think when I'm in doing my practices, I definitely get it very strongly. Mm -hmm. But I don't see, it's not like future events. It's not like spirits. Mm -hmm. I, in my opinion, mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel so crazy to say this. I sometimes I think I see the past. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a, that's an actual spiritual gift. And you would not be alone. There's other people that have that same thing. I don't have that. But, you know, you and I do have the same thing. And one thing is that I do not remember my dreams unless mm -hmm. it is a prophetic dream. And usually it's not a happy dream. The only time I ever remember my dreams is if there is an animal in it, which um, my husband calls me Snow White. Because I literally talk to animals all the time and he swears they understand me, even like frogs and butterflies and, and whatever. And so I think the reason why I always only remember dreams with the animals is because it's, it's a, like a spirit guide. It's like an, another like message that I need to internalize and figure out I'm, if that yeah no i i totally understand i totally get it i really do i'm you know i'm i have a really hard time janet being like open about my own spiritual experiences because sometimes in the like when you're more in the occult occult world mm -hmm. especially other men they can very judge each other and they'll say mm -hmm. okay that's even i do that so i'm not saying i'm innocent of it but mm -hmm. i'm saying that we do we definitely go oh it's unverified personal gnosis so mm -hmm. I've always learned to be very careful of mm -hmm. like what I specifically I articulate. Now mm -hmm. that doesn't make me, I don't doubt anyone else's experience though. I'm not really like that. I'm kind of like people have their own interpretation, their own experience. It doesn't have to match mine or match mm -hmm. my worldview. Right. So, but I definitely, in my own way, I definitely understand and I respect everybody's like, you know, what, what they're doing and what they're experiencing. And sometimes it mm -hmm. can be very real. I know for a fact it can be very real. Oh yeah. And it, it could be very scary. Um, yes. Especially like if you're n new to it, I guess, per se, and having these, you know, uh, weird off the wall things happen or whatever. And sometimes people don't know how to, uh, interpret it, how to deal with it, what it means, you know, and, and so either they like, don't want to face it, um, or just like, try to like, ignore what's going on, or they're terrified. Uh, you know, I totally agree. You know, I, the one thing that I've never been scared of, I may have many like insecurities and fears, but I'm not really scared of the spiritual world. Mm-hmm even if something is very ferocious or very like scary at face value, mm -hmm. that was never my particular issue. Like they, I've never been like, I know I lived with someone who got scratched 
by something, the same mm -hmm. black figure that I saw, mm -hmm. and it spoke to them in an auditory way. And I actually mm -hmm. heard it at the same time they heard it, mm -hmm. but it wasn't scary for me, like in the same way it was, they were very frightened by it. Mm -hmm. It didn't, uh, it didn't like internally affect me. I knew I had to deal with it in some way, mm -hmm. but I also wasn't like, it didn't, you know, sometimes people are very frightened of ghosts and spirits. I'm not particular. That's not my particular fear. So let me ask you though, do you think the reason why um, you're not bothered by it per se is because you're very grounded in your belief system? I think it really helps. Mm -hmm. I think that if you, especially because this is the one thing that I will say about even this in like more mystical hermetic Catholicism mm -hmm. is that I never felt like it gave me a proper grounding in some of these like real world spiritual or Correct. like um, things. It, it didn't, it doesn't explain to you how to deal with it per se. Correct. It's like, Oh yes. Buy a St. Benedict medal and pray to St. Michael. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's all good. And that actually does work and it can work if you have the right kind of faith. It really mm -hmm. can. Right. And I believe in those methods, but that's not always the right, it's not always enough and it's not always the right tool to, you know, mm -hmm. you, I believe in having many tools in the toolbox. Right. Sometimes that doesn't do what you need it to do. Mm -hmm. And protection is one of those nebulous kind of things where it has to be done all the time because it wears out and, right. you know, and especially if a person or a place is, you know, I'm sure you know this, is under mm -hmm. spiritual attack in particular, or not even attack, but just like there's a spiritual a spirit attached to a specific place or a specific person. It doesn't even mm -hmm. have to be a bad thing, but maybe you don't want to live with it. Like, I don't want to live with spirits personally. Like, I don't want them in my house, but they, they're, you know, they're welcome to be wherever they, you know, wherever else they are. I just don't really <laughs> want them in my life. But Don't um, get in my backpack because I'm not taking you with me. <laughs> exactly. So I think that that's what I believe is that having a practice really helps. It's not, mm -hmm. but it's not a hundred percent everything. Right. I think you have to have like, you need to be able to make sure that you have the, we'll call it extracurricular tools. If you are mm -hmm. like a practicing Catholic you need mm -hmm. to have those kinds of other tools that you have to deal with it. Right. Yeah. And I think Buddhism has, is very good. That's one of like the particular strengths of tantric Buddhism is that it has a lot of tools to deal with spirits, like a lot. So I'm interested to know, how did you go from being raised Catholic to being a Buddhist? Okay, so this is kind of a weird story that I've actually never spoken about at any other time. So you're getting another piece of original content. Woohoo! Two points. Um, <laughs> so this will sound very strange to people, but since I could articulate words, I always knew. I would, I mean, even if you asked my parents now, they would like confirm this is that I would always say, like, I'm Buddhist. People would ask me, like, you know, I went to Catholic school. We had nuns as teachers. They would talk about things, and I'd be like, no, I'm Buddhist. Like, I would really, like, say it. Mm -hmm. And so I think – I don't think I'm, like, a reincarnated Lama or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, okay? So I don't want people to misinterpret what I'm saying. But there is but that idea. But you could be. I'm definitely not a llama, but maybe I'm like a fallen, maybe I was like a monk in a previous life and I fell from grace 
And then I, you know, came back and I had to kind of like make my way back to the path. That's very real. That's a very real thing that could be real. So I do kind of think that that might be true in a way, not a monk necessarily, but, you know, something in that way where you've done Dharma practices in your past life or your past lives. And so those all are supposed to build towards a greater practice in your future lives. So in Mm -hmm. that way, it could make sense. Like, okay, I did Buddhism. I was a Buddhist in many other lifetimes. I came back. I have that strong connection to Dharma. So I want to continue where I left off. That Mm -hmm. could be very, like, I could see that. Right. But so I would always say that as a kid, you know, my, as I said, my, my dad's from Southeast Asia. So we would, I did have some experiences of going to like, the Chinese town. There's a huge, huge, like, um, I think it's like the third or fourth biggest uh, Mahayana Chinese Buddhist temple. It's in Richmond Hill. Um, it's like a huge red, it's exactly what people would think, like when they think of like a big Chinese Buddhist temple. It's just like a massive, like, ground. It's like has like five or six acres. It has like a Chinese garden. There's all these like bodhisattvas. So we would go there sometimes and they would have funerals or like weddings, all this, all this stuff. So I would go and kind of like always be really interested, but, you know, I was kind of like one of those kids that was like, I was really into the monkey King. That was very much my thing. And I loved like that he could use magic and that he could, you know, he would subjugate gods and demons. He kind of wasn't particular. He kind of just respected everybody. So I kind of identified with that in a certain way that he's like a rebel and he's kind of like the one who shakes up heaven. So I think that I always saw myself in him like a trickster kind of thing where I wanted to push beyond the normative boundaries. And even though Chinese Mahayana Buddhism is very conventional, like, but there are a lot of similarities to Catholicism in that it has a lot of ritual aspects. Mm -hmm. So I think that people who are raised Catholic, and I was speaking to Vinny from the ghoul cast a couple weeks ago, and he's a younger guy, just up and coming. And he also was raised Catholic. And it just is interesting to hear like people who are raised Catholic definitely tend to, uh, in my experience, just my opinion, tend to gravitate towards specific kinds of, they need more, we need more things. Uh, So I need a ritual practice personally. I I feel very naked without it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is very much in line with what I do now. So then fast forward a little bit. In my teen years, I kind of was like really into it, but I would like, you know, like everybody, I would kind of rebel. I would kind of be like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. I would always think, look at like, you know, whatever, even this most normie things. And I'd be like, oh, that's so constricting. That's so, uh, so oppressive. I don't want to, you know, follow the rules. And then I was visiting my father for a summer in Toronto. And uh, the Dalai Lama was giving a teaching, a public teaching. So he often will give public teachings on the Kalachakra Tantra. They're called public initiations. However, I didn't know this then, obviously, but later on, I found out that even though he gives this Kalachakra initiation and they give you a practice text to use as well when you're finished, but they, there's actually a, a, there's a complete teaching and that's not it. So I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. So he gives like a partial teaching. It's called a ultra condensed teaching. So it doesn't really explain anything. You kind of are, 
he he does the thing. It's beautiful. Okay, he's a great ritual master. Okay, and then you get little practice texts, and then you go on your way. So I went to that because I thought this is like my way to like be who I really am. That's mm-hmm. honestly what I thought, and you know, it's so juvenile now looking back. But I so I went to it. I told my mom, but I didn't tell my dad. So I went to it and. Then I was kind of like, oh, okay, so I have this. I'm like a real Buddhist now, even though I kind of always felt like I was. Mm-hmm. And then, but then I just went on with my life. I didn't really change anything. I didn't realize how fundamental the commitment I had made was and how I was now expected to like kind of, you know, Buddhism is very specific that you have to follow the middle path, mm-hmm. not go leftward or rightward, mm-hmm. not like engage in low desire magic, not you know, you have to be very conscientious of yourself in all the ways Mm -hmm. with, you know, who you love, who you, you know, you're not allowed to do like hookups. You're not allowed to, you know, experiment with like drugs and all the things that teenagers tend to do. So (laughs) you just, (laughs) understatement. you know, I just, I just didn't, I wasn't quite aware of how grave the commitment I made was until later. So I kind of, you know, went off on my own thing and was like, oh, I'm going to access everything is the right way. It's just like how you use it. It's all intention. And I do believe that intention Mm -hmm. is so, so important. I have this conversation often with Ashley, uh, Think Change Repeat, who's my other very good podcasting friend from Union of Unknowns. She and I have these long thread conversations about how intention is so important, but intention just Mm -hmm. is not everything. Right. It just isn't. Form does matter in a specific way. And it, I always found it very easy to kind of wander off of where I should have been. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very roundabout way to answer your question. Well, I kind of and- made it Dharma, but then... I kind of left at the same time. Well, and it's funny because um, when you were talking just then, you were talking about oppressive practices and how you're like, Oh, like, you know, I want to do this. And, and it's like holding me down and thinking about that now in the aspect of, like you said, the, you're supposed to stay on the central path, you know, and not deviate to either side. How do you see the, political system these days as far as the oppressive path when you get off to either side i mean so just for your audience i identify more as like a libertarian i don't know maybe i'd Mm -hmm. say post-libertarian now Mm -hmm. i definitely the strange thing is is i've never been conservative like never one time have i ever thought of myself that way but people have often said how conservative I actually am in some ways. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I was always like, oh, that's so insulting. I can't believe they would say that. And it's so funny now <laughs> because now I do have quite maybe more socially conservative kind of like opinions. Mm-hmm. But really, I don't feel like I've changed that much. I really had like certain opinions have been very steadfast through my life. Right. So... But I definitely think that, okay, so I'll just speak from my experience. So when I, especially in university, but it actually started much before then, it started really in my last few years of high school. 
I feel like, especially in Canada with like, you know, all the teachers are in the same union and mm -hmm. it's, there's a specific kind of like Fabian socialist agenda. I know mm -hmm. that sounds really crazy to say. I mean, it's not crazy for your audience because they know, right. but for more normie people it, to say it out loud is probably like, whoa, but I think everybody knows now. I think we've all woken up. We understand like working groups. We understand mm -hmm. the infiltration and how much they like to, you know, Brzezinski called it managing the dialectic, managing right. both the left and the right. Right. So I think it's all very managed. I think everything's a show. I mm -hmm. think it's all the great play in Buddhism. We have the exact same kind of idea that the world is like a stage and it's all a play. It's called the Leela. Mm -hmm. So I always think of it in those terms. It's all like a play. Everybody's trying to push. See, the, the thing is, is like, while I like more of the opinions on the right lately, mm -hmm. sometimes you, I can tell that the opinion on the right is managed in a way to push us leftward. Correct. Mm -hmm. and I would agree I, with that. I, I figured you would, because I've heard you say very similar things in other shows. And I just think, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's all this, I mean, there's not really anything that I particularly can bring to, I can't really make it more obvious, but I feel like they, I see a lot of occultism in what they're doing now. I see a lot of the colors they're using. I see how they push us to certain opinions, even if you can't tell from face value what that, the, mm -hmm. you know, it's always thesis, right? antithesis, synthesis. And right. that sounds very basic, but it really, mm -hmm. if you just break everything down into that formula, you can find a way to fit it all in. Mm -hmm. And you can see kind of the direction they push things. Right. Yeah, and to me, um, like, even talking about magic with a K, um, a lot of what they say is magic. A lot of what they do is magic, and it has very um, dark undertones as far as I'm concerned. No, 100%. It's... Uh... You know, social ritual, I think people underestimate the idea of social ritual. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my background is more in Buddhist studies, so I'll just use the example, is that the Vedas really emphasize this idea of mass sacrifice and mass mm -hmm. social ritual. So we're all kind of implicated in the rituals of the state. Mm -hmm. And there was a mass rejection of those kind of practices, obviously around the Christian era. So maybe like one or two AD mm -hmm. all, a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot of people were like, we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing like this, like horse, elephant, eagle sacrifice. Like we're just not going to participate in this thing. Mm -hmm. We're going to kind of personalize and like localize our practices. So they're more in tune with like our value system and, and what was also coming out was a lot of texts at that time. So people were kind of like saying the old way is probably not the best way because it's very, it, it's a very resource intensive. It's like very bloody. And, you know, there was this, that's a very innovative idea that the one thing in Christianity that I like is that they have that innovation where you no longer need to do any sacrifices because mm -hmm. the sacrifice has already been made. Mm -hmm. So there's no real reason to be doing that. 
so I think that's what you're seeing. I think that's what I also see is that we're constantly engaged in these, like, sometimes I don't even, I think a lot of the times, especially lately, I don't know how you feel. I'd love to hear your response to it. I feel like they're not real a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Right. I doubt a lot of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do too. And, and, you know, so much of, and I, I kind of tend to disconnect myself from a lot of what is going on these days because everything is suspect to me, you know, and these, like the stories that come out in the news, I'm like, oh, this, this is so not true. And what is the point of pushing this? And, and I'm sorry, but I have to bring this up because it just, this is par for the course for how acidine um, some of the stuff is that they want you to believe. And so well, I, I got two things. And so the first one is like the India moon landing mm -hmm. that literally, okay, we'll about that. Okay. literally looked like old time. I'm talking my era. So the very first like Atari games, graphics yes as so i was like oh my god this is like uh pong when it first came out to, and it was like their version of table tennis and that was the very first thing they had and like you hit the ball and it would go boop 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 so slow and i'm like okay this is the same kind of graphics and then right after that is the aliens that they found and then there's a video where the doctor is is picking this thing up because they're little miniature aliens right that are plaster of paris it's very obvious used mm. to make plaster of paris all the time when i was a kid and so it's like he's picking it up and he's going to put it in the mri machine and he's holding it like with one hand like it's you know, nothing. Now, if you were um, an honest to goodness quote scientist that was going to be studying this, I'm pretty sure that's not the way that you would handle something that you think is a thousand years old. hundred percent. No, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the rare books library. I, you have to wear gloves. It's like, you mm -hmm. cannot even ask for right. books. Even you know, they made us mask to look at some of them old manuscripts, even like that was this right. way before COVID. I'm mm -hmm. sure you know, too. And it's right. just, they're very fussy. And right. So if you're going to really touch things, especially mummified remains, because <laughs> it's a respect thing as well, as well as they oxidize. So you have to be very careful about what you mm -hmm. like. You cannot have liquid on your hands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the bandages will dissolve. That's a very, like everybody kind of knows that, I think. So, yeah, absolutely. It was so fake. Um, but that's what, like, everything is such a, and of course, like, it's going to get way worse because I'm not a fan of tech by any I'm means. I'm not either. I'm such a liberate. I have this argument with my husband all the time because uh, he loves AI stuff because it helps him do his job more efficiently. However... I do not like it because with the uh, rapidly expanding AI business that we have, 
uh, going on these days in the world, what I see is a lot more fake things mm -hmm. and fake videos and fake pictures. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, since they have your likeness um, from literally every device and every traffic camera and, mm -hmm. and everything in the world, they can take your image and make AI stuff showing that you are somewhere where you have never ever been. 100%. So I have a problem I, with that. I'm, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, we live in a very dystopian mm -hmm. kind of, at least they tell us. See, I'm not 100% convinced that they're as, you know, I don't necessarily believe that they're as all-powerful through technology as they would like us to believe. I do think it's mm -hmm. obviously a very oppressive force. And right. I'm definitely more of a Luddite. I'm not mm -hmm. like, you know, some of the other libertarians that are very, we'll call it Uncle Ted pilled. I'm not quite there. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm just, but I'm saying it's interesting. I think, I think ideas are interesting. I don't think we should ever discard things necessarily at face value unless it like harms someone else. Like I'm very into mm -hmm. this idea now of like, I want to hear ideas. I don't ever want to be living that 2020 time where we can't say what we actually right. know to mm -hmm. be true. So right. I don't want to like say, oh, things are inherently harmful just because there are words. No, but there are definitely harmful ideas. That is a real thing, mm -hmm. but I definitely want to hear them. And I think that we should like, you know, be able to debunk it or debate mm -hmm. it or, you know, there are ways that through rhetoric that you can, sort of that's like a magic in and of itself right like you can definitely cut through the dialectic with rhetoric through words mm -hmm. so right. i think that that's a very powerful tool and that's what i liked about podcasting like initially was that especially like how you were saying you like regular people that's what i like mm -hmm. too i like mm -hmm. people who like come to their own realizations come right. to their own conclusions they're not necessarily personalities they're mm -hmm. just like regular people. They're talking about real things. They've kind of woken up to at least partly what's going on. And there's mm -hmm. a lot more people. Like I'm a lot more white-pilled in that way where I see a lot of people are awake. Even right. people you wouldn't expect. Like I, right. I have a lot of these like Zoomer kind of like, I don't know if you want to call them post-leftist mutuals on Twitter. And they seem to... I don't agree with them on a lot of things, but I will say like they do seem to have like to be able to come to conclusions and come to analysis mm -hmm. that is very sophisticated that I don't think would have been possible a few years ago. Right. And See, and that's, sorry, that's, go ahead, uh, I was going to say, that's what I love about. You don't have to agree with everyone's opinions because mm -hmm. we all are so very different and we arrive, you know, at, the same conclusion or maybe a different conclusion. And we all go about it a different way. Um, it's kind of like math. There's multiple ways to do math. Right. Yes. And so I love being able to just have discussions with people because everybody's got a story. Everybody's had, you know, experience in, in life or, you know, whatever, or things that are important to them. And I think, like you said, rhetoric can break the Hegelian dialectic, which is so important. And that's one thing they don't want us to do mm -hmm. is have mm -hmm. critical thought and discussion with one another 
because it's easier to control us when we're divided. That's a hundred percent. I mean, I, everything you just said, cosine, agree, hundred percent. It's so important to speak with each other, just like as human beings, we don't have to even like each other, but Mm -hmm. you know, we can have like, um, just that basis of like dialogue and, and like, you don't even have to respect someone. You just, you have a basis of dialogue. You try and Mm -hmm. keep it as respectful as you can, Mm -hmm. even if you don't agree. And that's, and it is okay. And actually I found myself to be a lot more heterodox than I ever thought. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very healthy. I think that it's very unhealthy to be siloed into a specific dogma. I'm very mm-hmm. against that now. I try not right. to be super ideological about anything. Obviously, I do have a perspective and I mm-hmm. have a worldview. And I think it's important to be like have integrity within that worldview, have it right. coherent. But you're totally right is that we need to listen to more heterodox thinking, be able to like creatively. And it's okay not to agree. Just you have to be able to argue why you don't agree or you have to be able right. to say reasons. You can't just say, oh, it makes me feel bad. That's mm-hmm. not a valid, that's not a real reason. <laughs> exactly. Right? Emotions is, are not concrete. That's right. Their feelings are not facts. Mm-mm. So yes. And then just to bring it back to the moon landing, that had, especially for me, because I have like more of that like South Asian history background, you saw, so their whole moon thing was like a giant Shiva lingam, like, um, the stone they use to worship Shiva with the three lines and mm-hmm. it's black. And because they use a specific kind of like, um, it's like a black basalt, not always, but that's usually the stone that's recommended in some of the texts. So Shiva is not the God of the moon, but he does wear the moon on his crown. And the reason he does that is because in one way of thinking, the moon is like his consciousness in a calming state. Like the moon is regulates a lot of our emotions and it can also regulate our amorousness as it as it does because it the moon helps us to regulate our melatonin we'll see then there's always like that's what i love is that there's always like multiple ways you can kind Mm -hmm. of articulate reasons of why things are thought of the way they are why they're Mm -hmm. you know i don't want to call it mythologized but you know they're kind of like told in a specific way even Mm -hmm. if the meaning isn't like it's more magical or more religious. There's Mm -hmm. still another, there's always many perspectives to understand it. Right. I totally agree with you. It looked really fake. The Chinese Mm -hmm. moon landing looked even worse, which is surprising (laughs) because China has actually like a big budget and they have a pretty decent like film industry. You'd think that they would be able to like do something a little nicer, (laughs) but, uh, um, like our moon landing. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, at least, at least, okay, so you say this for Kubrick, at least it was very cinematic. Right. It looked good. Like for the time, I mean, obviously now it kind of looks, we can tell it's like tinfoil and like, mm-hmm. you know, it, I mean, I've always, I had a really cool 10th grade chemistry teacher or astronomy teacher and she made us watch that Fox, like that old, like nineties Fox documentary, like mm-hmm. is the moon landing real? But this was at a time when people did not really talk about things like that. Right. Yeah, maybe it was in the ether and the atmosphere. People would like kind of question it. But at least they didn't really openly say it. But she was like very like nothing is real. Like NASA is like fake. And like obviously all that's true now. Now I look Mm -hmm. back and it's like, oh, yeah, she was really based. But at the time she was like weird hippie lady. 
So, <laughs> you know, it was crazy to think about, but looking back, yes, I mean, it's obviously fake, but at least Kubrick did a good job. He made like a full <laughs> film out of it. He gave plenty of, you know, he gave all this, what, what is it? The DVD track, the extra tracks, the bonus tracks. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was definitely a just a wee tad better uh than than the india moon landing i'm just gonna say that i mean the india moon landing was just i mean they were and the thing is they were so proud of themselves on twitter and i just didn't understand i'm like you guys like but i also don't did like you knowledge. look at this before you like put it out on social media <laughs> I mean, it's shocking, but honestly, they're getting it. Like, I don't know if their energy is just not there. I don't know whatever, like, Kabbalah they're doing. I don't know. It doesn't seem to, like, be that potent. Right. Because it's not working on it. It's like, to a mass audience, I don't think it's very, it's not mesmerizing. I think we're all seeing through it a lot more. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think I'm very grateful because a lot of people now are just calling bullshit on mm -hmm. everything mm -hmm. that's that they're putting out now, which is good. And and like, you know, they'll have like there were zero Michelle Obama pictures for her being pregnant. And then AI picked up on that. And mm -hmm. then like two months later we have pictures of her when she was supposedly pregnant, but it's like the creepy AI pictures where you can always tell because they have yes. like five, five fingers or they're like, I don't know, really like mutated you know, looking. Yes. Yeah. It's always, yes. And the bone structure and the cheekbones are yeah. always a little off and the jaw. Yeah. There's something, yeah, there's always something very inhuman about it. Just like enough that people can like see it and be like, okay, that's clearly AI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, no, you're totally right. I don't know where you fall on that debate. I don't even really know myself. Obviously, I think it's a hilarious idea to think that she is not a she. I think that, yeah. that could totally be true. I'm it's totally, a man. I'm not, you know, it's I, Michael Robinson. Mm -hmm. I mean, I agree. And I think that they're, you know, I do think that the inversion that they kind of perpetuate with things, it's not like I care. I don't really fundamentally care. Right. But it does matter. The inversion mm -hmm. really does matter. I know some people think it doesn't. But in my opinion, it does matter. Because if you if you let the lie be, a, if you let the lie be the truth, correct, that is letting them manage you, manage yes. your feelings, manage your perceptions. And so I think that's wrong. And I think that also like, Everyone else who's president, and I remember the Bush years, I remember all of that, like, nonsense. Mm -hmm. I was young, but, like, I do remember it. Mm -hmm. And they scrutinized him and said, like, the most, I, I mean, can't, I'm not really going to cry for any mean things that people said about him, but they really, like, went for him. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's crazy to me that the one was, like, Obama's, like, the Jesus president, basically. He's, right. Like, untouchable in right. words cannot criticize right and but then they were like saying like even these were like new york times liberals were like george bush is like a dumb hick mm -hmm. and you know what he he was not a hick that's the that's the thing about that. right no they they that whole family definitely are not what i would consider hicks <laughs> no they're not at all and also like it kind of led the path to like demonize 
white working class people also. I was just going to say that my, my whole thing with uh, labels that especially come from mainstream media or politicians or whatever, you know, like, hello, I'm called deplorable for a reason, you know? And it's like, uh, you have to demonize whoever we tell you to demonize. So um, this week it's um, white, white men. Um, this time it's, it's females. Uh, this time it's um, anybody that's straight, uh, anybody that's black, brown, Asian, you know, whatever, 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 whatever. And that is what they do to further uh, divide and shatter basically our psyche because um, we're hearing all these things that we're supposed to inherently uh, dislike everyone that the media is naming on TV or yes. we're inherently dislike the people that are in the groups that they're naming at that time. And so it's always a way to pit each other against each other again so that we are divided because we're much easier to conquer that way a hundred no you and i are definitely on the same page like i think part of my waking up like not all the way but definitely happened in 2016 with a lot mm -hmm. of the race conversation right. because obviously i've lived my whole life as like a you know mixed person i'm like vaguely brazilian looking kind of like caramel so mm -hmm. i've always like kind of been in it but like I said like in Canada it's not really a big deal you're mm -hmm. not really going to be treated poorly one way or the other I mean right. there might be context but really that's it doesn't really it's not really a real thing like it's not really a factor mm -hmm. so then you I was seeing like a lot of people saying things about like historical oppression when that certain communities didn't even exist in Canada post 1960 Mm -hmm. So that was very like eye opening. And then also seeing like how much that kind of like post Marcuse identity mm -hmm. politics is right. toxic. Like I could right. like in my own life, I could feel how toxic it was. I mm -hmm. could see that it really was meant to be a dis like discordant, like cause us to all dislike each other. And I'm not saying like I'm mm -hmm. perfect and I like, resisted every single bit of course there was part of me that internalized it and said this kind of makes sense like maybe my life is mediated by race in a lot more mm -hmm. ways than I thought because it offers like a solution right right saying, oh capitalism is the bad guy corporations are the bad and corporations are the mm -hmm. bad guy I'm not saying that they're not because mm -hmm. that's, that's clearly true as well but mm -hmm. I think that there's also a thing where you kind of internalize this victimhood so you kind of like are saying oh white people can be bad uh, right the hetero patriarchy that's also bad and mm -hmm. like you kind of like and they tell you they, they will literally say you need to kill the straight white man in your head right and the the new thing now is with the you know the the transgender movement that they're pushing now and it's like you as a church now you have to say this is acceptable or you can't exist. Mm -hmm. um, or with the trans people that were posting videos on TikTok and they are going to kill anyone no, it's that doesn't, doesn't agree with that. And that has always been my thing is, 
is the one big thing with any kind of like social justice, equality, any of that stuff. What they do is elevate whatever group they want at that time. Right mm-hmm. now, it happens to be the mm-hmm. trans thing. And so trans people are above everyone else mm-hmm. and everyone else has to suffer because these people are elevated almost godlike status yes. over us. Yes, that's a very that's so perfect. And you're totally right. And you can see it, like you can trace it. You can see mm-hmm. Saul Linsky and Cass Sunstein right. are, are deriving from the exact same tradition of right. like pushing certain groups forward that they can mm-hmm. use to manage the dialectic to right. move us into I mean the trans flag is so occulted. I mean mm-hmm. it's honestly ridiculous. It's not just the swastika part. I mean there's a lot of like it's there's it's like that's a whole that could be a whole like that's a whole show yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know and what it means and all of that so I totally agree with you and I mean it's just mm-hmm. to me I mean I'm not trying to be mean I would never I'm not like a mean person where I would like right. I'm not gonna like spit in someone's face or something I'm just not that's not how I am Right, but I'm very against it. I'm very against that inversion. I really dislike mm-hmm. it. It really fundamentally bothers me on like a spiritual Same. and like moral level. Same. And I don't hate those people though. Right. I'm not. I don't accept it either. Like in any right. capacity, I cannot. Right. I used to be much more like, oh, like let's just you know, we just gotta. I never really liked it and was comfortable with it to be honest. But mm-hmm. I always was like, you know, it's a very Canadian thing too, and I'm not blaming someone else for like my weird way of internalizing it but i was always like oh just you know if i don't have anything nice to say i'll just never say anything you know what i you know i'm good friends with uh teresa from spiritual gangsters and we talk about that all the time about how canadians are like oh it's okay everything's fine it's so nice we're nice yes (laughs) Yes. because it's the lies we tell ourselves, right like Mm -hmm. it's not a lie because in the thing is we, I'm sure Teresa's told you, and she has a great show, which I also mm-hmm. love. Um, so we often tell ourselves, I think, to be, we use our politeness as a way, mm-hmm. like how British people can sometimes be either the rude. more upper class. Yes, they can be very rude. <laughs> Snooty. And they can be cold. <laughs> like there's like a cold Anglo-Saxon yeah. thing with them. Right. Canadians are very Anglo in the same way, except that we aren't cold. We use mm-hmm. politeness as kind of like a, it's like a wall we put up. Right. Because I know when I went to high school in the U.S. that I had to learn to like, because Americans just are not like that. It's just like completely the opposite. So you kind of have to like drop that because it, it does smell like bullshit. Like people, can, mm-hmm. especially Americans, can kind of see through it. It doesn't really work with them. So I see now how we use politeness as like this way to allow them to push certain agendas. That's very right. true. And then we're right. just like too polite to say anything. We're too nice mm-hmm. to say anything. But right. like when it comes to kids, you that's like none of that matters. Like you mm-hmm. just cannot tolerate it. Cannot be, you know, I think that what I've learned is that like the teachers, no matter like, you know, most teachers are in Canada anyway are heterosexual. I know that's going to like be crazy to hear. And they're mostly women. And they're also very well compensated in Canada, like extremely well compensated. Like Definitely not here. I know in the States it's very different, but they're also all 
you have to think they're very, they just, we have a, just a different system for public employees where they, mm -hmm. especially teachers, it's, you know, Tommy Douglas, I'm just, I'm going to sort of do a throwback here. Tommy Douglas was the guy who invented our healthcare system or whatever he had invented or came up with. He was a Fabian socialist openly. You can still read his thesis on the University of Chicago website, where he talks about wanting to sterilize Native women, um, mm -hmm. women who were had mental or emotional issues. Right, because they were less than. Exactly. Poor people, mm -hmm. anyone. Right. He was just, he was a eugenicist, okay? Mm -hmm. So we have that kind of built-in culture on the left wing here, where mm -hmm. there is kind of a silent Fabian, and I'm using that word specifically because that is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I like to call things by their real name. I think that has like sometimes more power. Like I correct, you know, yep. like I get it why people will call it communism or Marxism, but I think that sometimes that it gives the left a way to clap back. It gets they say, oh, that's not Marxism, that's not communism. But if we mm -hmm. call it Fabianism, they can never clap back. Mm -hmm. They can just really not say anything because that's what it is. And so. We have that built in and it's in a lot of the public employees kind of like worldview. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we, we're just very different in that way where they will push things in this very subversive way as mm -hmm. like, this is what is the morally upright and virtuous thing to do. And I right. know that liberals in the US do that too. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that they don't, but I'm right. just saying that there's a lot of social pressure here to conform to mm -hmm. specific institutional kind of worldviews. And I found that in my own life, like going to university, working at a large institution, there's a lot of social pressure. Like you cannot really, you do not really have your own voice if you do not agree. Mm -hmm. You just say nothing. Right. So I learned to do that. I just learned to say absolutely nothing. If mm -hmm. I had like no way to kind of articulate it that was not vaguely left-wing, Mm -hmm. especially like about even not just about the trans issue but also about like abortion or because you know in mm -hmm. Canada we have a full-term abortion here we've had it for 70 years I think mm -hmm. so it's kind of this question that's never it's never a question it's just is completely acceptable and I think that a lot of people would be surprised but a lot of people who are um maybe they wouldn't be surprised but a lot of like Okay, so you see a lot of people who are like race, race politics, kind of like identity politics, social justice mm -hmm. influencers, right. talk a lot about indigenous politics here. But mm -hmm. I know from like my own family, from my own experience, and from many talking to many, many people, that that is very bad, like abortion is considered to be like a grave sin. Mm -hmm. And so, and people will say, oh, that's just Catholic cope. That's because residential school, but that's really not true. I've talked mm -hmm. to enough people where I've kind of like been able to understand that this is like a larger cultural like idea that you just do not kill for like, just for frivolously. Like right. maybe there is a conversation you can have in a wartime situation or a famine. Maybe that is like, okay to think about it in that a thought experiment, but just as a general life practice that is just not done. Mm -hmm. so yeah sorry Jenna I know I went on for a long time <laughs> no that's that's completely fine and you know thinking about that and thinking about um 
Because we definitely have the creepings of Fabianism here as well. Um, and and all of these, you know, you have to accept abortion because, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Well, you have to accept trans people. And so then businesses suffer because you have to accommodate, you know, like when, when it was like, you have to have a transgender restroom. And so all of these businesses have to provide a unisex bathroom now, you know, and so that's not cheap. And you have to accept this because we told you to, and, you know, it's always something that leads people further and further and further from this center, which mm -hmm. is where they should be in their belief system. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, right or left here, politics wise are two birds, 100%. two wings of the same bird, you know, but people need to remember like how they were raised with morals and values mm -hmm. And things like that. And because the government tells you, you have to accept and you have to compromise your morals, that's inversionism as well. Because mm -hmm. everything they do is to like reverse of what the Bible says or 100%. You know, whatever your practices are that, that you believe in, in whatever religion, the government <laughs> is trying to subvert you and your attention on your creator or God or whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. to give in to the undertones of the dark side. Yeah, no, that's, I couldn't articulate it better. That's a hundred percent. They'd make the state, the religion. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, there's something very Roman and there's also something very Babylonian about that. A hundred percent. Right. And you and know, you you had made a post the other day and I actually put it in front of me so that that we could talk about this. Okay. Okay. Um you posted the Babylonian anti-cosmic gnostics want you polyamorous or open marriage, mm -hmm. transhumanism, mm -hmm. chronically ill, mm -hmm. sex, drugs, porn, food addicted, mm -hmm. to hate God. Mm-hmm. To be obsessed with celebrities and to own nothing and be happy. And that is absolutely the most perfect thing for th people to think about closing out the show today. Because if you think about every single one of these, every single one of these is being pushed in the media by the news literally every single day by politicians, you know, by unelected bureaucrats mm -hmm. that are pushing more and more things that, uh, by the way, for listeners, if you don't know the new jibby jab poke poke, mm -hmm. um, that they wink, wink approved that they ran through super duper quick that they just came up with. Uh, approval was based on a study of 20 mice. That is it. 20 mice. Mm -hmm. So your life hangs in the balance because they said you're supposed to believe it's safe and effective when they've only tested it on mice. Mm -hmm. 
funny. So it is, isn't it? But to give it out a positive spin, very few people are getting the vaccine here. Mm -hmm. So that is a much improved over 2020 or 2021. Well, if, if our president has his way, he said that they are going to try to make everyone in the world get this. Well, they definitely are pushing like a medical mm -hmm. um, eugenics program. I mean, that's, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to code it. I'll just, that's what I really think. I think it uh, is. It is know, definitely let's just call it what it is. And yeah, that's what they want. I mean, they want mm -hmm. us to depopulate. That's very obvious. I don't mm -hmm. think that's even a crazy conspiracy or, or conspiracy. No, it's true. It's just true. <laughs> exactly. And Hence, it was is, on our Georgia Guidestones. I know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And of course, they had to get rid of those, whoever did that, for mm -hmm. better or worse. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm personally okay that they're gone in a way because I think that that's like a, that's very demonic to me. Yep. I agree with that. And I, that area, um, people that have been there have told me that it feels very dark and demonic there at the site. You know, and I think just to go back to the post that you read, the thing is, is like there is a stream in contemporary occultism. I've never really heard that many. I've heard like Aeon Bites, he'll talk about it. And a couple like, it's more secretive, but there is like a stream in the occult world of this kind of left-hand Gnosticism. And that's mm -hmm. what they call it. That's their word. So that's not right. my word. So I'm right. not uh, anti-Gnostic. I just want to say that. Like, I think wisdom and wisdom sciences are actually can be very useful and mm -hmm. very positive and very like God affirming, but just like they can be God affirming, they can be God negating as well. Mm -hmm. And so there is a stream of that where it, the idea is to kind of externalize nihilism and to kind of put it into a magical practice where you want the world to kind of go into this cybernetic black sun future. I know mm -hmm. that's kind of freaky. I know that'll freak people out, but that is like a real religious tendency, you could say, mm -hmm. among certain people. And it is very right. real and it is very pervasive. Mm -hmm. But I also think in the same way that evil is like allowed to live and be pervasive and the inversion is allowed to like grow and be like viral, mm -hmm. people have really impressed me in the sense that they've embraced any faith. I mean, I'm not even talking about like my faith. I'm talking about like- right. I see people like really convert, like uh, be, are very serious about orthodoxy, which mm -hmm. is very cool because I actually have a lot of respect for like that theological tendency. I have my criticisms, but I mean, mm -hmm. like with everything, right? Right. And mm -hmm. I think that people like you have been, you know, you're very open about like your spiritual kind of mm -hmm. experiences. And I think that we're all kind of like coming to this conclusion that we have to orient ourselves towards like the higher power. And not mm -hmm. the lower power. I see a lot of people still orienting themselves to the lower power intentionally. Right. But I think it's so obvious that when those people do it, and I think the pushback, because it's a spiritual battle, right? Like, really, that's what right. it is. It's like, we can't, yes, of course, that we need to, like, if there's an opportunity for us to change things, sure, we should do that. But mm -hmm. I think that really the battle is definitely within us. It's right. how we control our will, our like internal kingdom. I know that, you know, when mm -hmm. I was Catholic, the my John is my favorite book because it is the most Gnostic. Mm -hmm. And I think that, but I don't mean that in a dualistic sense. I mean that in, it's just, is a very, 
there's kind of a non-dualism in John. Like he's kind of like flexible with his things. They can be real and they can be a metaphor and it doesn't matter. And at the same time, both make sense. Mm-hmm. And both can kind of, we can have that kind of like integrated consciousness when we read it. Mm-hmm. So I think, and that is the book in Hermeticism, Christian Hermeticism, that we use to overcome obstacles. So mm-hmm. sometimes what I used to do is I would read when I was having a really hard time with life or with school or anything, I would read John 14 and just, you know, ask to like overcome any walls or obstacles. So mm-hmm. I think for me, I try and point out the things in the, you know, also a lot of Buddhists or people who say they're Buddhist like online or say they're Hindu online or say they practice Tantra online. They're actually like, they're actually like literal Satanists Mm -hmm. and they use that kind of non-dual kind of non-conceptual thinking where you say, Oh, all life is suffering. So we're allowed to kill anything. We're allowed to do anything. And it's very Crowleyan and it's Mm -hmm. really not Buddhist and it's not Tantric. Right. It's very extreme. And really the idea is to not be extreme and to Mm -hmm. not be super worldly and to really control your own sphere of influence. So when you need to use it, you can use it, but you're not like impeding on anyone else's will. So I Mm -hmm. see a lot of people kind of like doing they the inversion is like so pervasive that people don't even always know that they're doing it. So I think that my whole project has been say what things really are, say this like occult stuff that people don't really talk about. I know there's lots of people who do talk about lots of occult topics. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I bring any new insight to it. I'm sure I don't. But at least I can say, this is my perspective. This is what's real. This is right. what's text-based. And then just push back against it. Because I don't like that people hide under the umbrella of what I like my own religion. I don't like that people would say that and then be like actual Satanists. that to me doesn't sit well. Right. So I just like to push. I'm trying to like, I want to like show people, this is the truth of it. It's mm-hmm. not scary. Yes. The deities can take very ferocious forms. There's a specific reason they do. So it's to conquer the demons that we have internally of ourselves mm-hmm. and the ones that appear in the world because those can be very ferocious. So we need very ferocious practices to protect us. It's Mm -hmm. not to hurt people. And it, it bothers me immensely when I see people kind of invert that and tell people it's the opposite. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. And I think a lot of that uh, probably comes from misunderstanding or lack of knowledge um on the subject i don't know anything about buddhism because i'm not a buddhist um so i can't pretend to understand you know what the thoughts and the practices are behind it but it's something that you know it's important to you it's important to other people and you have every right to to have whatever belief that you want to have and whatever path that you, you know, need to follow to, I, I can't say stay on the straight and narrow. Cause I'm trying, I'm trying, yeah, Janet, it's, you know, it's hard. Sometimes, it's very hard for trying. me too. <laughs> to be on you that know, center imperfect. path. How about that's that? Right. <laughs> that's, you know, that's what we all aspire to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I aspire to. I mean, right. 
the whole idea is that you combine both right-handed and left-handed practices with a like complete kind of like text-based practice so mm -hmm. you do you do a little of this and you do a little of this but you're really orienting yourself to the middle path like you're saying but mm -hmm. you're also trying to rectify past karmas that you fucked up where right. you've personally sinned or maybe not maybe mm -hmm. not even you maybe it's in a past life right. or maybe it's an astrological condition there are many many reasons but I think why it Buddhism's interesting is it's because really at the end of the day, what it is is it's fundamentally taming your own mind. So mm -hmm. you're very in control of yourself. You're in control mm -hmm. of your will. And when you're in control of your will, like a lot of magicians will resonate with that. And a lot of magicians practice Buddhism because of that, because mm -hmm. you don't want the karmic entanglement to interact with someone else's will. I don't want to infringe on anyone. Right. And then, you know, you, you try and be virtuous in the world through your actions, through mm -hmm. your worldly actions. Mm -hmm. And then you, you know, you try and avoid doing harm and doing evil. And that's basically, you know, the goal. And I think that in that way, I can align with most Christians on most things. A hundred percent. Right? I was going to say, they are so very similar. It is literally talking about the same thing. Now you guys have a little bit different, you know, ways of going about things than what people that study the Bible may think or whatever, but it doesn't mean it's bad. We That's... were, we were taught <clears throat> at a very early age to be like, uh, Baptist is bad. Buddhist is bad. Orthodox is bad. Mm -hmm, this is bad. Mm -hmm, That's bad. Mm -hmm. Anything outside of your, your religious group um, was always taught to be bad or, uh, you know, um, gemstones are bad, you know, um, mm -hmm. energy frequency stuff is bad. Like everything is woo woo and bad because the church told you it was bad. Well, they try and control. I mean, just like the Vatican has all the grimoires. Just right. like the, you know, and, and people don't really, I'm sure you know this, but other people don't know this, is that the monks preserved a lot of the grimoires that were taken up by, like, the medieval magicians. Like, if they were mm -hmm. never written down in the Catholic monasteries, they would not have existed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they definitely try and control as much knowledge as possible. They try right. and, you know, but that's what I found about Catholicism. It wasn't the, necessarily the theology I had a problem with. It was the limiting of what kinds of knowledges were acceptable, but then other people were clearly doing other things. I mean, it's so obvious mm -hmm. sometimes, and, you know, especially with Pope Francis and I grew up in like the John Paul II time. So he mm -hmm. was like the Mr. Nice guy, but you know, my, both of my grandparents on my mom's side were very, 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 very Catholic, like very staunch Catholic. And mm -hmm. so a lot of their like pre-Vatican II things are very different. It's right. almost like a different religion. Right. And, and this Pope, um, I, I call him the Satan Pope. Yes. This Pope has morphed the church's beliefs and, and, you know, text and things that they always stood on into something very, very different. Um, well, I mean, 100%. It has, it's antithetical to anything that uh, was ever believed by Catholics and Catholicism. And it's a very 
very inverted religion now. I totally agree. I mean, the, the serpent um, mm-hmm. chapel in the Vatican, I mean, that mm-hmm. would like to have that. I mean, you know this. Like right. for me to grow up Catholic and to, to like see that, that would be unthinkable, mm-hmm. honestly. And people might not understand unless, yes, Protestants can look at it and be like, oh, Catholics are always inverted. But right. I don't know. I don't really think that that's been true. I think mm-hmm. that there are definitely bad things about the church always institutionally. Right. I think there's always the Jesuits obviously are like horrendously evil and mm-hmm. perpetuate evil and inversion and all of that. That's all true. But I think right. that there's like plenty of good Catholics. I think that especially like 40 years ago, people were very able to orient themselves into like mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, it doesn't have to, people always think that you have to, if you orient yourself in a moral way, that your life will just be complete and happy. In my experience, that's not always true. Well, no, because we are meant to face turmoil and challenges on our path in life, because if we don't, we don't grow and we don't yes. learn and you don't learn the the skills that you need to change behavior in you so that you react differently the next time. You know, and that's, and so exactly i totally agree with that it's and that's what buddhism is for for me it's that mm-hmm. it is kind of the religion for the magician who's a retired magician it's kind of the rectification religion right it's right. where you've kind of really gone off the path and you kind mm-hmm. of really need to reorient yourself to something right. that is tangible and give yourself kind of like a daily practice like a structural practice mm-hmm. to use so that's sort of how I approach it. Obviously, I, you know, like a monk who's always lived as a monk, who's been like a celibate, like good person for their whole life. I'm not saying mm-hmm. I'm not a good person. I'm just saying that, you know, I, that's not my, been my life is that I was not like a monk. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, I have not been celibate and yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm just, that's exactly right. So I'm just saying I've been a worldly person. I've done many right. worldly things, I, right. but some good, some bad. And mm-hmm. so I just think, and I've done spiritually good things and I've spiritually bad things. So I, I mm-hmm. totally think that where I'm attracted to it is this rectification process through using the same kind of left-handed and right-handed ideas to mm-hmm. kind of reintegrate into the middle. I think right. historically that's very common. You see a lot of history of saints that like are very into women or very into drink or, and none of that's really wrong. It's just that, you know, they kind of take it in like an extreme way. And Mm -hmm. so then they have to kind of like come back and like, well, there's a parable about how one of them has to build like a stone tower. And the teacher says that's not good enough. And so he dismantles it and it takes him like 30 years and he finally completes the tower. And then the teacher's like, okay, you're worthy to be my student now. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's where I'm at, where I'm kind of like, okay, like, taking account of all the things that I've, I've done, not necessarily in regret, but just Mm -hmm. where I feel like where I know that I like went the wrong way. Right. And, and rebuilding that to a firm foundation and, and firm belief system and reaffirming to yourself that you're following the path that you're supposed to, and that you're, you're constantly learning and growing and evolving into a a better person and and a more spiritual being, I guess you could say. 
No, I mean, since 2020, I feel like my whole life has been about like a totally different, has taken on a different meaning. And I don't mean this mm -hmm. in a self-aggrandizing way. I just mean, I've taken an account of myself, of all the things mm -hmm. I disliked about myself that were very changeable, that are mm -hmm. very changeable. Right. And, you know, I struggle. It's not like I'm in any way perfect or any way like, but I do feel an improvement, a big improvement, actually, mm -hmm. in my, just my day to day how I'm able to like process things, integrate things, deal with mm -hmm. different, you know, afflictive emotions that arise. Right. And so I think, yeah, I think that's where I'm trying to do the best I can, but I think that since 2020, I've had such like hyper spiritual experiences mm -hmm. and it's like in, only intensified. And like I've said, I've always had spiritual experiences. So mm -hmm. I think that to put it into a kind of systematized, way where I can clearly understand it or at least understand it from one context. Right. That is helpful for me. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, kudos to you um, for having that self-realization to see the improvement in yourself and see that, you know, you are starting to accept yourself for the beautiful person that you are. Because you are, you were, you were created as a beautiful creature, you know, it's just that we as humans tend to be our worst critics, right? Mm -hmm. And there's always something wrong with us. But let me tell you, again, emotions are not solid. They're very mm -hmm. fluid. And so when you have those feelings of self-doubt, self-losing or self-loathing, um, all of those kind of things, that is a totally different force putting those thoughts in your head mm -hmm. because they're emotions. They're not true. I totally agree. I think that, you know, and it, so just to go back to the politics question just for one moment is that mm -hmm. I think that they use that idea of the moon I know mm -hmm. David Icke has that idea that we're in like a Saturn moon matrix. I don't necessarily mm -hmm. believe that, but I think the moon is very malleable to mm -hmm. specific emotions that are put onto it. And then it mm -hmm. acts as like some kind of crystallizing thing where it reflects back onto us. And I think that that sort of makes sense in a mm -hmm. Kabbalistic way of why we're, why culture is so hypersexual. Mm -hmm. I think it also makes sense why we're so hyper emotional, mm -hmm. but you know, and that's why I was like, okay, so all this evil is going on in the world. We have to like, bring it back in kind of like tame it, tame the dragon as so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. And you know, then we can be stronger when we do want to like point things out that are bad, like what you're doing, mm -hmm. like your whole project of this, like evolution, even on your show is like been an evolution, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Red pill. And then now you're more spiritual pill. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like, that's been my, that's been my experience too. Like I went from a very, like, as you know, like a much more left-wing place, but then I realized, mm -hmm. okay, that this is probably wrong, actually mm -hmm. like wrong. Like my whole worldview was like oriented around something that was not necessarily right. a lie, but not really right. true. And then also like, then going like very like red pill, like that. I think that's very normal. I think everybody kind of in the truth community who was more like me, Mm -hmm. They definitely go very far to like the red pill, like very right. Trump 
kind of thing. Yeah. And then they re then after that, you kind of reorient yourself and you're like, I don't like, this is actually like part of the dialectic. This is wrong. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that's what it is. I think when you pull it back in, you're more able to combat against it spiritually mm -hmm. as right. well as speak against it rhetorically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for me, it was definitely like a, a shift and a big change in my show. And thanks to God for that, because, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of one of those things. Knock, 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 knock. Are you listening, Janet? What did I tell you you should do? You should talk to people. And you should not focus on worldly things. You should focus on people. And I'm happy to do that because I like that a whole lot more. <laughs> you know, people are, that is really the political force in the world is like our interactions, our conversations, our mm -hmm. relationships with each other. Right. Like whether they're fleeting or, you know, long-term. I think right. that that's, that's really what politics is. It's like this way we treat each other the way mm -hmm. we kind of like organize our relationships. I don't think it's, we always think of it as the superstructure, mm -hmm. but as you know, it's just, it's just not that it's just, that doesn't have as much power as we do. I think we're right. much more special, spiritual, powerful. I think we're very mm -hmm. co-creative with the world, co-creative right. with God in a way we put God good into the world. God is stronger and God is good. We you know, I was just going to say we are, the world's most amazing supercomputer. Mm -hmm. um, able to receive my favorite word, downloads. Um, and so when you open yourself up to that, to that spiritual belief or spiritual awakening, you know, and accept your creator or God or whatever name you have for him, um, you are able to get those kind of things, the toolbox that you need to go through life, to grow and to change and to cause a ripple effect that in turn affects other people yeah, and, and changes them as well. And it, it just keeps going. And so I think that's a beautiful thing. I do too. And I totally agree. I mean, the thing, the, I, that's been my experience lately and not just lately, but the last few years is the more kind of the work, the, the work I do on myself internally mm -hmm. results in better. I don't want to say material conditions, but it results in a better atmosphere. You can just, mm -hmm. there's just, it improves external things that it wouldn't, right. you wouldn't think it would, but it actually it really does. Right. I know plants grow better. I play chanting. And when I garden, I'm a, that's how I ground myself is I do barefoot mm -hmm. gardening. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I play like uh, chanting and the plants seem to really like it. And I can also just like relax. I listen to podcasts in the morning and then at about noon, I don't listen to anything. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like, you know, free in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I enjoy those times too. My, my time is in the morning. And I love to sit outside and just like talk to butterflies or whatever hummingbirds come in the yard or, yeah. or something. And just like no conversations, no social media, yeah. nothing, just like my time to like ground and center and appreciate literally everything that's around me. 
I totally agree. It's funny you bring mm -hmm. up butterflies because that is my, I don't know if I should say, but that is my symbol, one of my symbols mm -hmm. that I mm -hmm. really take very deeply. Like I, if I see specific colored colors of butterflies, I, I understand it in a specific way. So mm -hmm. yeah, I totally agree with you that, and you know, that is one of the things that I've always realized about like uh, tantric Buddhism or the other kind of Indian Tantra as well. But they always say like the, the highest points you can kind of achieve in the world, like as a worldly spirit mm -hmm. is that you are in kind of a dialogue with the God or with the Godhead at all times through the signs that it, he gives you. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of like interact. You can have mm -hmm. a dialogue in a specific way. You're not maybe a dialogue, but. Oh, um, I do. I have a dialogue. <laughs> I feel like I do too, but I feel like it's, I feel like it's mediated. I try not to, you know, I, I hold it in a lot, but I definitely, you know, I, I love, cre I think creation is just like so beautiful. I think, mm -hmm. you know, I always try, I think of being appreciative, like you said, is so important. Mm -hmm. You know, I live by the ocean now. It's so different from living in the city. I think it's so, I have to like be appreciative every day. I kind of like escaped Mad Max. Mm -hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I know it really was like that. I mean, they were doing barrel fires in the alley behind me. I mean, it was crazy. You're Night like, fighting. where am I at? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I lived in a, like a very like upper middle, like kind of bourgeois condoville. And mm -hmm. it just was not, I mean, not that it needed to be like that, but I just, you know, it wasn't, even downtown was just like, un, even Chinatown, you couldn't even really go. It was mm -hmm. just like so dense with the, with um, the homeless tents and the mm -hmm. fighting and the robbing right. the convenience store. I mean, it was really rough. So mm -hmm. I think I go out, I look out, I don't have to see any neighbors. I just like see the beautiful like view and I'm just like, oh, okay, this is like, at least I can be at peace. I can like focus on my- I'm coming um, to visit. Yes. Okay. Anyone is <laughs> welcome. You're welcome to come. You want to come to the Maritimes? You can come. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, I love stuff like that. I don't like big city. I don't like the busyness and the hustle bustle and the, and the, overabundance of people and stuff i just like peace and quiet in my little uh little country setting i know, totally I agree it's the kingdom we can control right it's just our mm -hmm. own little it doesn't have to be much but it can you know as i feel like now is totally different for me i'm so used to living in a condo mm -hmm. i just now I can just be, I don't have to worry about shoes or like my, mm -hmm. I used to be very fashion conscious in the city, uh, maybe telling on myself a little bit, but now I just don't even care. I just, right? like, I don't care. I'll mm -hmm. be barefoot. I'll have like one croc on and, or one, <laughs> you know, like, I don't care. I just, I just, I want to go out. I want to walk the dog. I want to like you know, play, do things. I want to garden. I want to, you know, that's what's important. I realize it's mm -hmm. like that relationship that you develop with yourself. And then also like with what you're doing in the world, like, you know, it's not my intention to like hurt people, but I also want to be strong in myself and like, mm -hmm. not, I don't want to shirk. I don't want to revert back to that person that was more 
I was never afraid to say what I wanted to say because I've definitely had enough confrontations with people that that would not be true or honest mm-hmm. to say that. But right. I I would withhold so much, and I think it actually damaged me. I think mm-hmm. it cause it can cause. I'm sure you agree with this in a way because mm-hmm. I've heard you talk about it that it can yep. cause autoimmune issues when right. you hold Storing especially that negative in the energy. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. So I yep. think I did that, and honestly, since I've come to the country it's been like a, almost 180 degrees mm-hmm. just like like physical. you released it all i don't know if i released it all but definitely i released a lot of it mm-hmm. so and I, that's you know you know that's important because you said about your the place that you live now that your kingdom that you can control that's what our bodies are mm-hmm. um and that's what our thoughts are mm-hmm. and when you when you learn to uh, get right and do the right things, you know, and, and be who you're supposed to be. Um, you're able to control your kingdom. That is, yes. That's kind of where I'm at. You know, it's just, it's about like, you know, I want to just have a life where I can be at peace I don't mm-hmm. want to like, it's not necessarily about like, I, I'm definitely have things I want to do and things, you know, whatever. I don't know right. how the world's going to be though. So for me, I, I kind of take that view as like every day is like a new day. It's spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Things arise that might be stressful or not stressful or happy or sad or whatever. But it, the only thing I can control really is myself and like, right. you know, the small amount of property and just mm-hmm. do the best I can with that. and. You know, if I have to escape to Mexico one day, I will. But uh, <laughs> until then, come through Tennessee. Then, I will. You know, actually, I have a Tennessee connection. We'll talk about that one day. Well, there um, you go. And it's very beautiful there, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, great weather. I know you oh, guys find it mm-hmm. a little cold sometimes in the winter, but for us, it's actually like that's quite a nice winter. I was gonna say it doesn't because I'm not. I wasn't born and raised here. Um, I've only been here for, I don't know, 10 years maybe. But when I first came down here, I was so used to like freezing cold temperatures and ice and snow all the time and whatever. And I came down here and where I was, I was teaching at the time and it was like a threat of snow flurries. Mm -hmm. Everything shut down. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. why? And they're like, well, because it's supposed to snow. And I'm like, it's supposed to flurry, but I don't think it's going to dump here. Yeah. So like, it's pretty, I mean, we've only had really one winter since I've been here. That's been like unusually cold, but yeah, it's, it's not bad here. Mm -mm. I mean, so where I live now, it's beautiful for like six months out of the year, like really incredible, like Mm -hmm. very pretty stable. We do have like occasional hurricanes and tropical storms. It's Mm -hmm. never really a major huge deal. I mean, sometimes a bridge will get washed away, but it's never, it's never really too bad. It's very like under control. Mm -hmm. Obviously I noticed last winter, a lot of chemtrails, a lot of like storms. Mm -hmm. We had a horrid ice storm, Mm -hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's very idyllic here in the warm months. But once it hits that about 
late December time, it gets very dark because it's, I mean, where I live right now is very far north. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we're as far north as Iceland almost. So, I mean, it's, it's dark here for like more than it's light in the Mm. winter. So I think I don't, it doesn't really affect me as much because obviously I've lived in Canada a lot of long time. So I'm used to that kind of like subarctic weather, Mm -hmm. but I definitely would like eventually to have like a little bit more relaxed winter because sometimes, you know, with the ice storm and this and the roads and then the power going off because I live in the deep country. Mm -hmm. So that does happen. You have to go run out and start the generator. It'll be like minus 30. And so that's always an adventure, but you know, you have to do. You have to do. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning all these things that I never learned before. Well, see, look at you. You're having, you're having growth and experiences and you're gaining knowledge and wisdom along the way. Important. That's, you know, that's what I think we, lo- I lacked in the city was mm-hmm. that I did not have like a connection to the ground, to the earth, to right. the sky even, just to, mm-hmm. it just felt very claustrophobic. Right. And it's weird because the first two years after I moved, I could not really go back in the city. It would almost be like a pan. I would feel panic. Mm-hmm. And now I'm actually like very, I'm okay to drive a few hours and go for like a few hours, like not all day, but just be there for a few hours errands, <laughs> and then things. get out. Like, you, yeah. And then leave and then be like, okay, I'm going home. But you know, like I, I do think we lost like humanity lost a little bit of something when we mm-hmm. do gather. And I'm not talking about like, there are plenty of nice small cities. Right. And I think that's very nice. If you can have like a yard, a normal thing, mm-hmm. but even, you know, I just know now after having lived through this, the lockdown in Toronto the first time where mm-hmm. they wouldn't were at least they said so I don't know if this was true but they said we would be arrested if we mm-hmm. went in public parks right so they use that kind of like idea of fear fear everybody right mm-hmm. and everybody lives in a condo I was lucky because I actually lived in like my apartment was actually like a decent size but some people lived in like 500 300 square feet Mm-hmm. And you're not allowed to go outside. And we were in lockdown for seven or eight months. I mean, it mm-hmm. was pretty, I mean, I did go outside. I'm a little bit of a, I'm not going to say I was like a crazy rebel, but I definitely was like, I'm going for walks. I'm going to do things. I'm not going to. Oh, I would out. definitely. Yeah. yeah I, would, I would be, I would definitely be the rule breaker. Uh, I am the rule breaker and I'm, I'm probably going to always stay a rule breaker. It's always good to have that thing where you're not going to follow things just because someone in authority says that. I think that mm-hmm. we all know now that right. to have that compliant personality is the wrong way to go. Right. Well, darling, I have to wrap it up. I absolutely honored um, that you spent your time with me today. I cannot tell you how blessed I am to know you now. And again, so very proud of you for starting your show. Um, It's an important piece uh, for you so that you can, you know, speak your truth, get your truth out there because that's important. So where can the lovely listeners find you at, my dear? Okay, well, first, let me say thank you so much, Janet. It's honestly a big honor. I've like listened to your show, as, as you know, for 
quite a while. Um, you've had some like really incredible guests, really incredible interviews. So I feel like very honored to be a part of that and to have been asked, like honestly. So, um, if, but if people want to find me, I'm at, on Twitter for as long as that lasts. We don't know, right? <laughs> but um, it's at Wukong, so W-U-K-O-N-G, reborn, one word. Um, and then Instagram, I'm Threshold Saints. There's not very much. I do have like some things, but a lot of the, and then also I've been guest hosting Subconscious Realms with General Lee. So we have a nine-part series on the Mahavijas, which are a syncretic grouping of Buddhist Hindu goddesses. So I kind of did a comparative mythology where I compared it to the Kabbalistic tree. And then I've done, uh, I'm doing a series on who killed Tupac Shakur on Union of Unknowns. Nice. So that will be more, will that, that will be coming up in October, the second part. And uh, I have some other interviews coming up also, but I'll let those be a secret for now, a surprise, we'll say. And uh, that's, yeah, that's it. And thank you so much, Shannon. I really appreciate it, honestly. I know people are going to be surprised that, like, um, I did, this is, like, so outside of me to do this kind of show where I talk about myself. But it wasn't, <laughs> but, it wasn't too scary, was it? No, but you're a really kind person, and that always comes across. So I think that that, you know, it's easy. It's, it wasn't oh, hard you. for me. So thank <laughs> you. Well, for me and for Jen, thank you for tuning in for another episode and we will see you next time. Have a good one.